0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Altitude, where we talk to the founders of future high-flying companies in Latin America. I'm your co-host, Brian Reckworth.
1: And I'm your co-host, Tommy Roggio. Today, our guest is Rafael Capeller, co-founder of WeWorth.
0: So Rafael grew up in Switzerland, and he's got over 15 years of experience in finance and sales. Almost 10 of those years he spent at Credit Suisse. He was working as an investment banker in Europe and in Asia. During his childhood, he hoped to become a fighter jet pilot. Instead, he ended up jumping out of planes in the Swiss Army. He's a lover of the outdoors, skydives, scuba dives, goes skiing and surfing, so basically an action junkie. And uh, after living and working in Asia for a few years, he fell in love with Latin America, and he decided to call Mexico home. It was there that he developed and launched several startups. The latest, ReWorth, is an API data platform that will give financial institutions an edge in the competitive market, helping them to engage their customers and increase revenue. Rafael, great to have you on the Latitude podcast. Welcome to Altitude.
2: Hi, Brian. Hi, Tommy. Pleasure to be here. Great to see you.
1: Same thing, Rafi. Let's start with the hardest question. How does a Swiss end up in Mexico? Tell us a little bit about that.
2: So I, I think it, it has a lot to do with curiosity and... Um, As a Swiss, you know, it's a small country. So when I ended up in Asia, I was 20 years old, it kind of like lightened that fire to always try something new, discover more cultures. And in 2015, after being in banking for a long time, last uh, stinch for five years in a fintech in Switzerland, I felt uh, I needed to change something. There was really the need of doing something new, doing something different. And a lot of people suggested to do an MBA to kind of recalibrate. And I thought, you know, an MBA is very expensive. Let's make it an MBA and learning by doing. So instead of investing it into a school, let's move somewhere. So my wife and I were talking between Asia and Latin, and I really wanted to learn Spanish. I had a huge love for Latin America, knowing it from traveling. And so we were looking at which countries are interesting. Brazil, Mexico, Colombia, and obviously Spanish. So Brazil fell short of that. Then my wife, she's half Colombian. She said she doesn't want to go to Colombia. So Mexico. And that's what happened. We ended up in Mexico and uh, we moved here in 2015. And I started my first company.
0: Your story resonates with me as a foreigner that ended up in Latin America Talk about how you met your co-founders and how do you complement each other?
2: So the co-founders of rewards it, it's, it's also a bit of a story of my five, six years in, in Mexico. Um, Joaquin, he, I met him through a really good friend of mine at um, monthly marketing meetups. I had really, from my finance background, very little idea about how growth marketing works, all the strategies. And so I got introduced to Joaquin. We had uh, monthly meetups where him and, and other really like successful, I would say, marketing growth um, specialists shared their knowledge. So that's how we met. Then Chiara, she's a fellow Swiss. I met her through the Swiss community. Um, she helped us organize events there and, and also grow that community. And she was super diligent, hardworking, and, and I liked that. And so when reverse came up or like the idea started to build around, I'm like, okay, we need an executor here. And uh, she was a great joy, uh, choice for that. And John, our CTO, actually, in my previous start as a startup in Apuntos, I needed a CTO at the end because I, I realized we need to change something. So I, I started to look for a CTO uh, in maybe mid-2019. At the end of 19, when I already kind of decided that we need to, to finish the project, sell the database, um, I found John. And like, okay, now that we close and we sell Apuntos, John is coming on board. So I told him like, listen, Apuntos, that's it. We're going to do something new. Are you interested? And also that's how he joined us basically in that journey from day one onwards.
1: Amazing, Rafi. Tell us a little bit more about ReWorth and what was the main calling that led you to build this new company? I
2: wouldn't say it's a calling Uh it was more seeing a really really good opportunity so coming from again like going back to Apuntos my previous startup where we built a loyalty platform for SMEs for PMS in Mexico and selling that to Peruvian company because seeing that loyalty the entire space is super difficult and, and we really like I start to believe that loyalty does not work so like selling that company having had all this experience and then saying okay what's next uh, and that was in two, early 2020 um, I thought what's next and I looked at my experience finance experience banking experience fintech experience in Switzerland so I kind of had a calling more to go back into fintech and I spoke to a lot of challenger banks here in Mexico in Europe in both places and all these challenger banks talking to them like hey Rafi You did loyalty before. Um, Why don't you do something similar? We need more tools to engage customers. We want to do a reward program, like competition is heightening. Um, Let's do something around loyalty. And and I told these fintech companies, like, guys, I did this now for three years, and it's it's not going to work, you know? And, And funny enough, at the same time, I had meetups with Joaquin that also looked more into the fintech space. And same for him, like all the... The, the challenger banks fintechs asked him to help him with growth strategies, engagement with customers, and he also, from his point of view, like the solutions that existed weren't really um, fitting. And, and that's when when we really started to talk about hey, what what could we do for for challenger banks? What could we do um, for, for that ecosystem to really help engage clients? With that in mind, we went back basically to the drawing board and we we talked to a lot of app customers like users, customers. We asked them, like, what, what means engagement to them? What do they like about what the banks offer today? What do they think about reward programs? So we really went down, like, to the most important player, which is the consumer. We interviewed them and we started to build, like, this kind of idea around rewards of being very consumer-centric, um, building something for a consumer, but actually helping Banks and then also merchants. And, and that's how, how this idea uh,
0: started. So that's great. That's great, Rafael. So let's talk a little bit more about this cashback piece and maybe share some of the benefits it offers to the banks and merchants and the problem you're solving. So
2: cashback, why cashback? Um, again, we looked at all these systems. No, There's point system, miles, cashback. And we realized that about 70% of miles or point systems are not being used. So companies launch these super expensive reward programs, and then only like 20 to 30% of the actual customers are using those benefits. So we said, you know, that doesn't make sense. And we realized that in the US, the biggest segment, the fastest growing segment in terms of rewards is cashback. And why? Uh, it has to do very much with demographics, like 80% of Generation Z and millennials love cashback because it's real money. They can spend it free. So it's not attached to points or like there's no strings attached. And like realizing that we, we really looked more into the space. Um, why cashback? What's interesting? We saw in the US, for example, the interchange rate can be up to three and a half percent. So the cashback that banks are able to offer is like one and a half, two percent 2%, 3%. And cashback in other parts of the world, in Latin America and Europe, even in Asia, hasn't really picked up for one big reason. The interchange rates are capped. So banks are not paying 3% cashback if they can maybe make 1%, 1.5% on a transaction. It starts to be negative unit economics for the banks. So that's why... Cashback became very strong, fast-growing reward system in the States, but not in the rest of the world. And so that's when we started to think, okay, how can we make cashback viable even in other countries? And we went back and we figured out that merchants are actually very willing to pay a discount or a cashback in that sense. So we experimented, we, we we talked to merchants here in Mexico, Brazil, even in Europe, And we ask them like, Hey, if you get client data, if you get visibility, if you can get new customers, how much are you willing to pay for that? And we got numbers from five to up to crazy 50%. And, and that's when we start to realize, Hey, there is actually an opportunity here. We can get merchants to finance cashbacks that are much higher than the, the standard one, two, three percent. And we can offer that through a platform to the customers of the financial institutions from the banks and give them basically the most favorite rewards, which is real time, instant cash back back to their accounts that they can use forever they, for whatever they want after.
1: Great, Rafi. Just to double click on that one, how this is, does this translate into advantages compared to other players?
2: There's a lot of players. I mean, Amex has a reward system, Visa has one. There is... Um, DOSH in the States, uh, you have all the loyalty programs focusing on merchants or on banks. Um, What we do, I think, very different, and that comes from our background, from loyalty, is that we have a very holistic approach that is consumer-centric. So instead of just looking at the banks or the merchants, we look at the entire ecosystem of the economy, banks and merchants together, and we think, how can we make is a perfect experience for the end consumer, and we do that by integrating our system inside the banking app so inside the the bank app that is already downloaded that is trusted by the consumers so we, we don't need to have this entire b two c experience on our side, but the end user like you as a customer from a bank you already have your bank app downloaded you have your debit or credit card so we just give you the tool that every time you pay with your credit or debit card from your bank to get an immediate cash back to your bank account. So integrated in the payment process, you don't need to download another app. You don't need to register somewhere else. You don't need to opt in. You don't need to make a choice. Like you just continue with your usual daily routine. You pay in your favorite places and you start to get cash back. And so, I think that's something that we do different. And on the other hand, what is also a very important part is for the merchants. Merchants had, they tried Groupon, they tried other loyalty systems and it never worked. And one of the main reasons was that either they got a lot of new customers in a short amount of time and it, at the end of the day, like their business became more saturated with uh, like huge discounts So the other side, what we really focus on is because merchants, they've tried a ton of different loyalty systems. They tried Groupon, they tried uh, offers. And what happens there is that the business becomes saturated at the end of the day, like they get in a very short amount of time and the clients don't stick. And so what we do different here is that we have all the data analytics from the transaction. So we know the customer, we can send the right amount of customers at the right time to the, to those businesses. So we create a constant stream of new customer, existing customers for the business. And at the same time, we provide those merchants also with clustered client data so they can make better decisions, different items to their inventories. Um, we can tell them, hey, if your cashback is 5% higher or 2% lower, you're going to reach X amount of new customers or existing customers. If you want to sell your pizzas, Friday evening, 7 p.m. is the perfect time to do that. You know, So we can give them so much additional business intelligence that for them, it becomes not just like a client acquisition tool, but a planning tool for inventories, a planning tool for, for new customers, etc.
0: Makes a lot of sense. I mean, there's a, a wealth of data there, and uh, it's it puts you in a pretty privileged position. Let's talk a little bit more about this journey. Uh, you know, you're an entrepreneur, second time founder. Talk about some of the past experiences as a founder and what you can apply to those experiences, repeat or not repeat, because we you know we make mistakes on the journey. And so, what what are the lessons from this last go around that you're applying to this one?
2: I think one thing I really learned is that uh, in entrepreneurship there is no sort of vanity my previous business of puntos I, I did it for three years and looking back I, I should have probably started maybe six to nine months earlier and sold sold it to someone that is growing it or, or with a different platform and i didn't do that because i really wanted to prove first like yes i can do this and we're gonna we're going to do it alone in Mexico and it's, it's going to work, you know? And so what I really learned there is to make decisions very much based on metrics. Um, look at them on a monthly basis. If they point down for three, uh, three consecutive months, then maybe there's just really no product market fit. So let's go back and do experimenting. And, and, and we did this super different in, in reverse now is that. Everything we tried, we base on experiments from the start. Um, we talk a lot to users. We talk a lot to banks. We talk a lot to customers. And we really kind of double-check everything we build. We double-check every assumption we have and, and go from there. And And that's really something that I learned the hard way. And the other thing is like making one or zero decisions. So if you have an employee that is good, but not amazing, it's either a one or a zero. So like either you have to let them go or you continue to work with them. And the same about investors, the same about the the, the future strategy of a business. Like either it's a one or a zero. A zero, the one stays. And uh, I think that's really something that I learned. And something I really tr- try to translate to my team is the saying of like, tomorrow is one day too late because if you push something for tomorrow or you say like, yeah, I'm going to finish it tomorrow, tomorrow you have so many other tasks that you're not going to finish it either. So either you can finish it today and you work on it until it's done, or then maybe it's just not the priority, you know? So like really this, this mindset of tomorrow is one day too late is something which we, I, I learned the hard way and, and we now drain very much within the company.
1: That's great, Rafi. Um, I got one last question for you from my side. What, what does the future hold for ReWorth? What's the long-term vision?
2: So uh, with Reverse, we see a, a lot a lot of possibilities of having this direct connection between financial institutions like banks and merchants. And, you know, Anderson Horwitz said that every business can be fintech. And so with ReWorth, basically every business can be a client of ours because we can provide... And and data engagement solution for basically every financial institution. On the other side, we have a direct connection to the merchants. And combining those two, we can build basically we have a highway of data that we can build on. So better credit scoring, business intelligence, um, potentially payments, open banking, we build a vast amount of businesses on top of that direct connector. And since we have everything built on an API solution, we can also just connect other players to it. And that, that connection really, for us, it's, it's something that we want to explore more in the future of what else wanna, we want to build on that. In Mexico, for example, um, payment solutions could be something. We don't have picks like like in Brazil that the local system CODI hasn't really uh, gained as much traction. So having the direct connector between the financial institution and, and merchants could be the next step, payments, for example, as well. So we really want to leverage on that, use the data we have and the direct and leverage any type of business we can build on it.
0: The fintech, I mean, the whole fintech landscape is just budding landscape in Latin America and, and the fact that you're you know your your solution is kind of right at the heart of it with what you're building. What's one piece of advice that you can share with other founders?
2: Everybody always has so much advice, um, and and we can also learn so much from each other. What really helped me the most is to have very very trustworthy mentors, black and white with you, that tell you how things are. They tell you if they know something or they don't know or something. And they're just also brutally honest with you. If if they think you make a mistake, um, they tell you. It's, again, like, it's not about vanity, but just brutal honesty. And building up a mentorship or, like, to have a mentor is something that it takes time because you can't just have it from one day to know you. They need to understand what you're doing. They need to understand you're in the workings and you on the same time. So it's something that... I really suggest founders is to build up these mentorships, find a mentor, find a person that is interested in what you're building and, and and build that take time to build this relationship because it's a very lonely journey. So to have someone along that journey that you can really trust and count on is
0: Yeah, that's a heavy part of what why we built Latitude and you know you were part of the Latitude Fellowship and making that network available to people and connecting people with people that have a skill set, but also an interest in what you're building and can support you. I was very lucky to have great mentors that I worked with, and they were fundamental in helping me navigate this, as you describe, lonely journey of entrepreneurship. So we're lucky to have you in the Latitude community. You've also been one of those people that gives back a lot too, right? I've seen uh, you know you're very active, and in your cohort, you were one of the more active folks, and you always gave us feedback. And uh, and so we really appreciate all of your support of the Latitude community also.
2: Thank you, Brian. You know, like uh, when when we joined Latitude and what you say about this is like, yeah, create the community and give back. I think giving back is is something that's super important for everybody, private and also in the business, because, uh, yeah, we humans, we, we need to help each other. And the more we help each other, the more we can achieve, you know, I think it's. I love the Latitude community for this, and it also has helped
0: me and Reverse a ton ever since. That's great. We're, we're, we're happy about that. Let's close it out with one last question. A word that exemplifies entrepreneurship for you.
2: Um, you know, I think entrepreneurship is to have the freedom to build something that you love and that helps others. others better through the work you do on a daily basis. And doing that, like that, if you really have that kind of that mission, it helps you to survive this roller coaster of emotions, up and downs, you know, like, uh, uh, the, the, like it, it fuels the persistence that you need to go along that journey. And, um, for me, that's really it. It's building something that I love and that people need and makes the life better. That is the fuel of, from, in my opinion, for, for entrepreneurship and, and
0: doing that journey. I'm going to translate that into purpose. Thank you so much, Rafael, for, for joining us on, on this episode of Altitude. Um, thank you. Keep flying high and vamos latam.
2: Vamos latam. Yes. Thank you very much.
0: Running the leading startup community in Latin America costs money, but some people are taking notice. So I want to take a minute to thank our early supporters. At Viva Real, we were an early customer of Zendesk, other companies like Newbank, Loft, RD Station, they all use Zendesk to keep their customers happy. Zendesk for Startups offers Zendesk software for customer service and sales for free for six months. To learn more, head to zendeskcom startups. Also, we're really happy to inform that Latitude Fellows now have access to a ton of extra exclusive benefits on top of the six months free, thanks to Zendesk's support of our community. Go to latitude.com to learn more about the Latitude Fellowship and apply. I learned the hard way that lo barato sale caro. If I had worked with Gunderson from the beginning, maybe our company wouldn't have had to pay $100 million in unnecessary taxes because of our corporate structure. We're lucky to have their support along with Kerry Olson and Bronstein Zilberberg in developing one of our first products, Latitude Go. We want the process of incorporating companies in Latin America to be 10 times cheaper and twice as fast. If you're starting a venture-backed company, you can check it out at go.latitude.com. I've been banking with Silicon Valley Bank for over a decade as one of their first customers in Latin America. They're committed to the region and have made great introductions over the years. We want to thank them for their support of Latitude. To learn more, visit svb.com.